assets going forward to, to support that. Um, as I say, some people don't know about URAM, but we, um, we did 48 engines last year in Teardown. And that was various from CFM 56-3s, 5Cs, 7Bs and Bs. The year before that, we did 27. And the year before that, in 2018, sorry, 2017, we did 19. So we have seen a steady growth of teardown engines coming into our facility. And majority of those are third-party customers. And we see a lot of repeat business on the engine teardown. Our idea this year would be to do 60 plus. I think, you know, at the moment we've seen two engines that have been cancelled due to the current environment. But we, we're expecting to get another 11 engines in by the end of May. And we're expecting more engines hopefully to come in in, um, in, in Q3. So although there is a, a downturn, URAM, we're seeing a little bit of a, an uptick. And you know the only way to get through this is keeping communication with your strategic customers and try and support them the best way possible. And I guess you know the aviation industry is a small network, and you know we should try and help each other in these kind of torrid, torrid times. So that was my presentation on that, and just a little bit of a cheeky note here: um, we've recently torn down three seven B engines, and we we have one set of fan blades available from one of those engines. It's a fully mapped set. It's 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 fresh from release and ready to go. I wasn't really going to put this on there. It's a bit cheeky, but I thought you never know. Somebody might be looking for a, a, a full set of seven B fan blades. How much, Tony? <laughs> as as I told you previously, we're not the cheapest. <laughs> Sometimes you never talk to people or answer your phone either, Tony. <laughs> do, you do you know what I knew you might say something like that <laughs> Tony that was great um, thanks a million for that has anybody got questions for Tony there Tom, um, just a quick question for you Tony on your do you do module swaps we can do yes okay and who who certifies that the 145 station or who, yeah, who, who actually yeah, signs so off the paperwork yeah, you'd have to get a 145 repair station. URAM is not a 145. So we were in either, in the past, we've used Aero Norway or Vortex to do that. All right, perfect. Perfect. Um, uh, any more questions for Tony? But, but Bruce, give, give me a buzz afterwards. Well, let's have a chat. You, you must have my, my wrong number or something. I'm, I'll always answer you. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Right. Nothing else for Tony. We can kindly move on to Aoife Fennell from uh, Engine Lease Finance. Hi, Aoife. You're on mute still, I think. Is that better? That's great. Thanks a million. Right. Uh, you've all disappeared from me. Yeah, no, okay. So uh, I think Tony stopped sharing. So you can share the screen on your side now, yeah? I will try. Uh, sorry. Oh, there you are. 
Now, is that, is that working? That's great. Perfect. If you want to go to a um, slideshow or slideshow, is this on the PowerPoint? Then yeah, is that not what it is showing you now? Yeah, no, that's fine. That's perfect there now. We see the full screen. Yeah, okay, fine. Well, I actually haven't got, um, I, well, I haven't got a huge amount of anything that'll be new to anybody, to be honest. But I suppose it's always good to summarize this stuff. Um, just by way of introduction, I'm Aoife Fennell. I am working with Engine Lease Finance in the tech department. Um, and yeah, we're spare engine lesser. I think most of you know us. Uh, so today I'm just going to have a quick chat about what our outlook is and our experiences are with regard to engines in terms of COVID-19. Um, so as, just to run through this, I suppose the most immediate effect that we have is we're seeing it in utilization. Um, I would say at the moment our engines are down 90% utilization. Um, we haven't had one full month really of reporting because ours would get reported on a monthly calendar month basis. So it was kind of halfway through March, you started seeing them being parked. But um, so we've had to get in contact with every single operator just to find out what their, their plans are. Um, I mean, it's good practice. It'll kind of establish good communication with all these customers and get an idea what their plans are. But we need to find out, are they planning to park them, to preserve them, or what a lot of them are doing is they're just doing the seven day rolling um, parking and then they'll fly the engines. So there's no need to put the aircraft and the engines into any form of storage program. Um, now the effect of that reduced utilization is obviously gonna have, have a big effect on cash flows. It's gonna have an effect on the monthly reserves that we'll get, um, but also on, and on these fees, but it's going to have a longer term impact as well on what the engines are going to look like at redelivery. And so that will tie into, we see definitely a couple of months of a much lower utilization. And then it goes on to the question of how an airline will cope with this and what their longer term plans and their longer term abilities are. And the engines are all going to look very different to what we had expected they would look like at redelivery a few months ago. So engines we were hoping to run out on a current lease. Now that might change. Um, shop visits, programs, all that type of thing. So all the modeling that we've been doing at the start of the year to set ourselves up for the next couple of years, that's all out the window. And we're not really in a position yet to figure out what the new plan looks like. So it's very active, very engaged. Um, now, preservation is up here because it's going to be a big issue to keep on track of this. So one of our big workloads at the moment is tracking the preservation on these, all these engines. The OEMs are changing their standards slightly, so we just need to be up to date, but they're actually lack, uh, um, giving a little bit more flexibility because there's so many aircraft and engines being parked. Um, but if a customer is no longer around in a year or two or sooner, it's gonna be a lot harder to unwind and get the records together for what they should have been doing at this point in time. So we're trying to be very active, very proactive with that. Um, shipping and storage is a big problem for us at the moment. Um, there's been a lot of changes in the market. There's a lot of changes in freight as well. Uh, what we're seeing is costs are astronomical at the moment. We were shipping an engine from the Middle East to Europe and it had been, it had been quoted in February uh, 25 to 30, it is now 65,000 for us to ship that engine. So we're not gonna ship that engine. 
Um, and that's it. So it's got ha having a knock-on effect of how we're managing our engines and how we're operating them. Uh, getting across borders is a problem. Um, and if you can avoid that at all, that's what we're trying to do. So we're shipping a lot more engines, or sorry, we're storing them locally if we need to ship them anywhere at all. So now, as opposed to having one central location where our engines would go, which is tends to be what we would do on the different continents, uh, they're now being stored in all these different smaller facilities. And then repossession, it's at the end here, but it's probably one of our biggest concerns because we don't know who will go next, but not all operators are going to manage their way out of this. And that will depend on what the different governments are going to do and depend on what those operators looked like before they went into this situation. Um, so we're trying to be proactive about that in that we're cleaning up all our records and we're, we're getting on top of everything. Um, one of the issues with any repossession right now is getting an inspector there because one, travel is very hard. Like we're having this issue with current redeliveries, which are planned. Um, we can't get inspectors to locations and when they get there, there's no hotels for them to stay in. So the whole thing becomes this logistical nightmare, which can have a huge knock-on effect. We're also finding that our operators are working much reduced shifts of trying to manage getting a borescope done and getting access is much, much harder. Um, anyway, it's working out, but it, it's a lot more intense than it used to be. So those, they're the current issues that we're seeing that have changed in the last month or two. Um, in terms of longer term, um, well, I suppose the big question is recovery timeline. Like, we don't know right now. Um, I would imagine there's going to be a softness in the market for the next two to three years. You know, so it's obviously not going to be at the levels it's at now, but it's going to take a long time to get back on top. It's going to be different in the different regions as well. Um, I think the fact that everybody's working from home at the moment is going to change how people work and the need for international travel might have changed. You know, so, I mean, there's those elements that may never come back because the industry has changed. I saw a Harvard study there yesterday that was saying that some form of social distancing will be required for the next two years. So all these things are leading into, I suppose, different ideas of how long the recovery will take and what sort of what the recovery will look like. Um, the next two items um, are really entwined together, the, the MRO demand and the engine green time retirements. I mean, we would have had plans for our engines, engines that are no longer going to need to be overhauled, engines that we're going to break. And a lot of that depended on our expectation that a lot of, there was a huge pressure on shop visits for the next number of years. Now, I was really interested in the Euron presentation uh, saying that they think there would actually be increased demand because we would think it might actually be the opposite. Um, but there's no knowing. But it does mean that, you know, the, the carcass values, the timing of retirement, um, our ability to liquidate any of our assets is now changing. Not quite sure what way that's going to pan out. Um, obviously, there's going to be reduced leasing demand in the short term. Um, and how that, that changes in the long term is going to be different. But I suppose just to finish on a positive note, there is definitely also opportunities now and this time. Um, so... I suppose one of the opportunities, we've been, ELF has been around a long time. We've gone through a couple of different cycles and every cycle is different. There's no, you've done it once, so you know how to do it. But what we do know is that there's elements of keeping your portfolio clean, keeping your records up to date, that when things change, you're able to change with it and move quickly. And we've always focused on that. So 
in the last boom, we didn't necessarily chase deals down to the bottom because some of them just went for rates that were just, you just wouldn't make money on it. So we should be okay in how our portfolio set up, but obviously there is going to be changes. But in terms of opportunities as well, I would think there's going to be um, a lot more sale and leaseback opportunities over the next while. When airlines start to look to their futures again and see how they're going to um, clean up their books and get some cash flow going as well, I think there'll be good opportunities out of that. And another opportunity um, that we have seen from the last downturn is when you can actively engage with your customers at this time when they're struggling, you can really generate this really positive relationship with them that will stand to you then as things start to pick up. Like companies are companies, but people working in the companies will remember these relationships, you know, so that works out. And that's all I put together. Emily, have any questions on that? That was fantastic, Eva. Thank you very much for that. It was a really good overview and insight into just the whole, uh, sector, not just the leasing sector, and uh, some very good insights um, on the different points there. Thanks for that. Um, I have just one question just to start, maybe. You said that the OEMs are showing some flexibility on preservation. Have you any examples of that? or? Oh, no, now you're testing me. Um, we were talking about this last week. So I know CFM and Boeing, I, I don't know about Airbus, uh, Pratt & Whitney, they're all been very active with reminding people about what the preservation requirements were but uh i know there was flexibility put in in the number of times you can redo your 30 day that hadn't been permitted before and so on sorry i, I don't have the details right. here, but there has I'll, been a little on a case by case basis from what i remember in the past you know if you have one engine you check it and maybe they give you some concession on the opposite engine you know stuff mm. like that um yeah uh, any other questions for Aoife? Hello, and this is, uh, this is Mike. Um, there is a, an Airbus OIT uh, that has been circulated um, advising um, some movement on the calendar-based tasks that are due. Um, what they're saying is that any you know, flight hour, flight cycle tasks, they still need to be complied with on the due dates. But um, calendar tasks, I haven't read the OIT fully yet, um, but uh, some of the calendar tasks can be uh, deferred during periods of extended parking excellent thanks that's that's mike from worldstar thanks mike for that um i know Eva mentioned there about the difficulty of, of finding local inspectors and i know tony had a, a had a a smart little plug there but aptn you can find inspectors worldwide there uh, if you're looking for local um knowledge and local expertise have a look on there keep it in mind <laughs> Uh, any other questions for Aoife uh, before we wrap up? Just on the inspectors, Alan. Can you hear me? Yes, I, c I can, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah thanks. Uh, the, the, your Mexican contacts turned out to be really beneficial for me uh, over the last couple of weeks. So um, it has shown a value to me straight away. <laughs> okay, thanks, thanks Owen, for that. Yeah, let's, uh, I had a couple of inquiries over the last few weeks. Um, one in Ostrava, they were trying to get somebody local in uh, the job air facility and, and we found somebody there as well. So, like I said, I'm just putting the people together. Um, it's up to the inspectors uh, to come on board and, and advertise their capabilities and their availability in the, in the platform. 
and then if you want to search it, just come on board as a as an enterprise member. Um, so guys, we're just a little over the, the half hour mark. Uh, I think I see over 22 participants in the call today, which is great. Um, uh, I just wanted to see if I can put up one little poll screen here. It's a simple poll there about the timing of the call. Can you see that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you might just let me know if this timing is good for future calls or not, or if you prefer later or earlier. I think the first call that I did was um, was at three o'clock in the afternoon, and um, uh, it uh, it may not have suited a lot of people. So uh, next week, um, probably return to some, like I said earlier on, uh, airframe uh, topics. Like um, um, I have in mind, uh, somebody asked me to to look at ferry flights, and 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 there's one or two other topics. Uh, if you think of any topic, uh, either engine or otherwise, that you'd like to see discussed here, I can approach whoever might be a good candidate to talk about it. And um, uh, I'll put up uh, um, a Zoom call. Uh, should be every week on a Thursday. That's the plan over the next short while. And uh, uh, whatever you need to hear about or talk about, I'll try and facilitate it. So on that note, I will... Um, close the session for today and uh, thanks again for joining. Thanks Alan. Thank Perfect. you. Thanks, Alan. thanks very much. Thank you, Alan. Bye bye. Bye bye.